Kia ora, I'm Karen O'Leary and this is Full Disclosure. We're going to talk to politicians, builders, actors, writers and media personalities to find out how coming out was for them. This podcast is bursting with pride to be supporting Rainbow Youth. Joining me in the Full Disclosure studio is author, screenwriter and the creator and producer of this amazing podcast, Kate Langdon. This is a rather special episode because after Kate shares her own coming out story, I'll also be sharing mine. I was so uncomfortable with these feelings and didn't want to have them. Certainly didn't want to be gay. You know, Mm. I thought I would be married to a man and have three kids or whatever and that's how I saw my life being. And I don't know why it's taken me so long to accept that, yes, I am gay. Kate, lovely to talk to you. Although we haven't started yet, but when we do talk, I know it's going to be lovely. Kia ora, Karen. It's going to be amazing. The whole point of this amazing podcast is to listen to people's experiences in terms of coming out and being gay in Aotearoa. And you've got such a story. Let's find out all about it, shall we? Let's, yeah. Okay, yeah, well then I've, I've got some in. questions, and if you could answer them honestly and openly, that'd be fantastic. Hand on heart. You, I'll you, do my best. You don't have to do that the whole time. You'll probably get quite tired, but <laughs> right, here we go. Let's start off at home for you. Tell us about your home. Well, uh, I share my whare with my wife, Sophie, and with our two children, Jasper, who's nearly 17, and Jemima, who's six. Jasper's my son from my previous relationship with Jasper's father. And Jemima is um, our daughter, who Sophie and I had together, with a bit of help from my brother, actually. For you, how do you identify in terms of your sexual identity? To be honest, I've really struggled with that. I haven't wanted to be gay or to label myself as, I'm not a fan of the word lesbian. I find that a little bit icky, but you know, full cred to those who don't mind it. It's something I've been really uncomfortable with, labelling myself and being labelled. Yeah, I'm only recently able to say actually that I am gay and um, that's a big step for me. How do you think you got to that point? I just had to be ready, to be honest. It's sort of just accepting yourself. And it's been a really slow process for me, like many, many years of getting to that point of being able to say it. It still doesn't make me overly comfortable. I don't think I'm a fan of labels in any sort of shape or form. So I don't want to be known as a gay writer. I'm just a writer who happens to be married to a woman. But look, at the end of the day, I don't think I've been doing myself any favours by not owning that part of myself. And I guess is is maybe part of it as well, if there's a negative connotation that goes along with the label, there is certain attention that you might get as a result of being gay, and a lot of the time it's negative. So, I mean, say if you had a a label that was entirely and fully positive and inclusive, would that have been different for you? No, I think the issue for me was very much internal. Me not being comfortable with this path that my life took, even though it's a path that's made me happier and more complete as a person, really beating myself up for how my life took that path and stuff like that. So it's more of an internal struggle than a, there's no external pressure or, you know, bullying or um, fear of what other people will think. It's, It's solely about the pressures that I've put on myself, which is, you know, in some ways a hell of a lot worse. I I live in a wonderful bubble and community and whānau and friends where, you know, being gay isn't anything that's going to to upset anyone. It's nothing to write home about and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, and I actually come from a family where I'm not the only gay child by any stretch of the imagination. There's actually three of us. So they are the most understanding parents and stuff like that. I've got two older brothers and and one younger stepbrother. And so one of my older brothers is gay and my younger stepbrother is gay. And my elder brother came out about six months before I broke my news to my parents and my family. So that was a, you know, that was a lot for the folks to digest. My sort of news was probably quite left field 
Um, was that potentially because you were married to a yes, man? Yes, yes. So I was, yes, I was. Um, we were as good as married. We weren't technically oh, sorry, married, okay. but we've yep. been together for 10 years and, you know, owned the house and just had the baby who was one. So it was a very unexpected kind of announcement. So, um, but, you know, full credit to my parents. All they want is for their kids to be happy and they've been very understanding. And I think from their perspective, they, you know, they've had to sort of deal with some of their peers saying, oh gosh, you know, that must have been hard or that's difficult or, you know, how do you get so many gay children and stuff like that? Yep. So they've had a bit of, they've had a little bit of flack to deal with, I think, there and risen above it and been nothing but supportive. But certainly my, my news did blow my parents out of the water. Yeah. And I guess maybe we could talk a bit more about that. So you were with a man um, yes, and you had a yep. child. Lovely man. We're still great friends. In fact, my daughter has got two godfathers and one is my ex, Barney, and the other one is my wife, Sophie's ex-husband, Cristiano. So, um, you know, we're all one big, very happy whanau and, you know, I'm just super lucky that I was with a man who was so understanding. Obviously, it was incredibly hard for him. It wasn't what he wanted us splitting up our family. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, we were actually super happy. You know, we were a bloody great combo. We had what I consider some of the best years of my life, you know, with him and together. So there was so much that was great about our relationship. But it's full credit to him and his understanding that we are still great mates. And so what changed for you? So you're with this guy, you're actually, for all intents and purposes, happy. What happened when was your light bulb moment, if there was one, that made you think, hang on a second, there's part of me that isn't being true to myself? Yeah, so what happened was I felt like I had these feelings of attraction to some mm-hmm. woman. Um, this is how my warped brain got around this. It was like, I'm going to go and get this out of my system so that I can carry on with my partner and we can live happily ever after. I just need to go and get just this get out. Of it. Yeah, just need you to know, get just, this, get yeah. these feelings out of my system and then, you know, and then all because there are only, be only a certain amount. So you once oh, you've totally. got them out, then yeah. they're gone. They oh, never absolutely. come back. I mean, how stupid is it looking back in retrospect well, actually thinking that? Hindsight's sort of fantastic thing Isn't for it? making you realise things that you thought that were ridiculous, but yeah. Oh, totally. That's genuinely what went on in my head, um, which is so ridiculous, but I went out to get these feelings out of my system. Unfortunately, ended up having an affair you know, something that I'm not proud of at all. It doesn't fit particularly well with my character. I never would have cheated on my partner with another man, but I thought I'm going to do this and get out of my system and then we'll be good to go because we, yeah. we, we had such a wonderful relationship. Could you call yourself straight at the time? Would you? Have Absolutely. Been- I was so uncomfortable with these feelings and didn't want to have them, certainly didn't want to be gay. Yeah, it just sounds ridiculous now, but that's that's how I was feeling at the time. So, But then it all, of course inevitably backfired and these feelings were wonderful and feelings that I hadn't known I had been missing in my life. I ended up leaving, uh, we ended up breaking up for obvious reasons, probably didn't need to do things that way but I think you know the reason that I did is that I didn't want even him knowing how I was feeling. Mm. Um, He would have actually been pretty understanding about the whole bloody thing and would have said you know go out there and do what you need to do and I mean even when we split up I would call, you know, sort of label myself bisexual. Right. And it's like, well, I certainly wasn't going on any dates with other men and there was no other men I wanted to be with. So it's taken me a long while to get to, the, to get to this point of being able to call myself that and being okay with it. I mean, I have been married to a woman for a while, so it does obviously sound a bit strange. Um, we've, been, we've been together for 10 years and married for five. And I've technically been out. Son's father and I split up nearly 16 years ago. So it's been, you, it's been a while. Would you call that time the time that you did come out? Or was it for you when you fully accepted it within yourself? Would you call that your coming out time? I reckon it's more recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Like, I think it's probably in the last, almost the last year or two mm-hmm. where I can, you know, I mean, I never would have sat down and even had a conversation like this. 
openly and honestly. A little low make a podcast about it. <laughs> That's where the idea came from as well as if I can be honest with myself, then maybe that might help some other people in a similar position and have these yeah. conversations. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been this whole process is incredibly cathartic for me in accepting who I am, this whole podcast. Oh, then, well, that's fantastic. So you left your husband. Who were the first people to know your new situation? My elder brother, who had come out recently himself, was definitely definitely one of the first. I think he was surprised, actually. I don't think he had thought I was. You know, quite a few of the family had thought he was. Right. <laughs> so he wasn't that surprised, quite that surprise element. And, you know, I mean, look, we, we're one those weirdos who sort of can, like to find the humour and everything. So we were, you know, we'd have lots of chats about what it was like for the parents this year of, you know, yeah. this year of awakening for them and all of that sort of stuff. And um, my friends were incredibly supportive. I mean, everyone was incredibly devastated that my ex and I yeah. were splitting up. And that was sort of a shock for everyone. Yeah. So it was kind of hitting people with a double whammy. But generally speaking, would you say that your, your whanau and your friends were, like you said, supportive and positive? Look, they were eventually. I think once with my whanau and my parents, once they got over the, the sadness of the yeah. fact that, uh, you know, that, that he and I were, were separating, they were inevitably kind. And um, I ended up having a relationship with the, with the woman I'd had an affair with. And they were, you know, supportive of that, even though it wasn't a great relationship. They were, um, yeah, they've always been supportive of me, but it was a lot I didn't make it easy for them. I sat my parents down and gave them the all at once kind of, and in retrospect, as you know, now I would hate it if my children did that to me. Well, you know, I was very upfront and sort of said, hey, so um, B and I are, um, are separating and that, you know, just watching their faces was like, mm-hmm. that was enough. I should have just stopped there. But then I went, by the way, uh, I think my words were, I think I might be gay. Leaves it out, you know, leaves a room for not being. I mean, I should have read their faces at that point again and thought stop there but I didn't and I said and I'm seeing someone it wasn't probably the nicest delivery but I just wanted to get it all off my chest um, for them it was a hell of a lot they're wonderful people and, and very liberal thinkers but it was a hell of a lot to kind of digest Could be talking about having you know we had a one-year-old as well so they thought we were the perfect little family so shattered that what do and they then, think now about your family they love our family now we're super lucky and they're wonderful grandparents going back to your baby that you've had with your wife Tell me more about how that came to be. Sure. So we were very lucky in that my gay brother donated his sperm to us. Mm-hmm. So so our daughter is part my whanau, part Sophie's, and a really awesome combination of both, actually. Yeah. And my brother is married to a wonderful man, and they decided not to have children. So it's kind of nice for him. I mean, look, we never really have these conversations together, my brother and I, but I, I think it's kind of nice for him as well to see yeah. his sort of genes Would you have helped him if, he'd, if they'd wanted to have children? Absolutely, yeah. And I had, in fact, they were considering having children and I did offer my eggs. I didn't offer to be a surrogate. Mm. Just didn't feel like I could quite do that. We had that sort of reciprocation there. Yeah. And my brother-in-law has actually donated sperm to a friend of his as well. So he's got a little right, little yeah. bit of bit of his biology out there as well. Um, and and it's, it's pretty cool. She's a wonderful little girl and she's a year younger than our daughter. Yeah. And we sometimes get together with her and her mum. Oh, and these two, these two little girls who are sort of the product of these two wonderful yeah. men, yes. you know, yeah. both sperm donor sort of children. Um, it's kind of cool. What are they known as, like your brother and, and his husband? They're just uncles. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we call them dunkles. Dunkles, But yeah. really, you know, you could take the D out. They're just uncles. They're, yeah. they're the, they're, they have the same relationship with our daughter as they do with my son yeah. and their other two nephews. I mean, and their other niece and nephews on the other side. They're, um, you know, they're wonderful uncles and they're nothing more. I think there will always be that lovely link because I'm, you know, mm. they can sort of, my brother, I'm sure, can see himself reflected a little bit. Yeah. 
she's naturally drawn to him even when she yeah. was a baby it was quite sort of it was quite interesting to watch because she wasn't the most sort of effusive little baby with her who she'd go to for cuddles and all of that she could be a little bit standoffish but she's always felt super comfortable around him and Lovely little jeans. Like she insists on wearing shorts in winter and he insists on wearing shorts in winter. Well, and they've go. got these lovely parallels. What's it been like being in a same-sex marriage in Aotearoa? Has there been any negative tension as a result of it? Has it been wholly positive for you guys? What's what's it been like? By and large, it's been positive. I mean, to be honest with you, I I don't offer up that information unless someone asks me directly. And um, I could afford to be more honest and upfront with that and own it a bit more. I just sort of, it's not something I've publicised really. I mean, the only negative experiences we've had have been from people who clearly didn't know any other yep. gay woman and, and had never seen two women married yep. and had certainly never seen two women and one of them be pregnant and about to give birth. So yep. those are the, the negative just, experiences we've had. It was just yep. It was just too much for their little minds. Yep. And so the reaction there was not great. It is interesting though, isn't it? Because, you know, you're saying, you know, there's, you've got your partner who you're in love with, she's in love with you, you're having a baby, you've chosen to do that, you've had to make a very definitive decision to have a child, it's not just going to happen by accident. And people find that a little bit freaky and, and hard to understand. But on the other side, there could be someone who's in an, either an abusive relationship or in a relationship where there's no love or anything like that. But that's easier for them to understand and accept than this version here of two people that are really in love and are having a baby because they really want to have a child together. Isn't that mm. intriguing? Oh, totally. And look, there are certainly some people out there who genuinely don't understand how two women can have a baby without a penis. And it doesn't make sense to them. And, you know, hopefully by talking about this sort of stuff, we can get some of them listening and it might make a little bit more sense to them. Um, yes, if anyone out there doesn't know how you can make a baby mm. without a penis, mm. um, you it's can called talk to IVF and, um, Or yeah. just assisted insemination. That's, mm. what, that's mm-hmm. what we did. And it yeah. was very well assisted and it worked. So there you go. Mm. There we go. It's possible. One of my lecturers said to me, I don't believe in homosexuality. And again, I was just like, well, I can assure you it is real. We can be gay and be very happy and loving. I think it's just understanding that if there is that negativity, it's coming from a place of fear and all we can do is just be ourselves and and hope that we educate some people along the way. I know that Sophie and I live in, my wife and I live in a bubble, but, you know, Christ, there's no other bubble I'd rather live in, to be honest. We're, We're lucky. I just wanted to go back and touch a little bit more on this notion of you actually having to come to terms with your sexuality internally rather than being, you know, worried about negative attention from other people or from society itself, would you say that maybe you had internalised homophobia? Yeah, that is exactly what was going on. Just judging myself. And and look, no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, I've got a gay aunt and a gay uncle. Mm. It's not like I didn't know gay people. I mean, I've got two gay brothers. didn't have any gay friends. You're my first gay friend. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know really how best to explain it except to say that absolutely I was be my own worst enemy with it. Right, yeah. I didn't want to be gay because Why I didn't not? because I didn't want to be different. You know, I didn't want to be labelled as something different. I just wanted to be Kate. I mean, apart from the obvious having destroyed my relationship and my little family, you know, that that was a hard thing to have accepted, having done and having, you know, mm. broken someone's heart like that and yeah. and you know, for so many years I looked in the future and I saw just us and our little family and stuff like that. So I don't know why I was so tough on myself with it and I don't know why it's taken me so long to accept that, yes, I am gay and this is who I am because, I mean, I, you know, I obviously love my wife. I'm so happy that we're together and married and, you know, yeah. my life is great. I felt that I'd 
let myself down from my own sort of almost unrelenting standards of of what I thought my life should be like. You know, Mm. I thought I would be married to a man and have three kids or whatever, and that's how I saw my life being. It's not like that, but, you know, it's still like that in so many ways. I'm happily married and we've got kids and all of that. So I don't know where this being so tough on myself came from. But the good news is you've been kind to yourself now. I have been kind to myself. And you've realised, actually, gay... Heaps better. Heaps gay is okay. Gay is better than okay. <laughs> it's A-OK. Gay makes me say hooray. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you can't be a whole person. You can't perform your best. You can't do your work your best. You can't live your best unless you're accepting all of these parts of yourself. And um, and look, you know, totally a slow learner with it, but I do feel like I'm very much entering a new phase of my life now where I'm okay. And it's taken me a long time to get there and... Um, you know, it would have been great to fast track it, but we're... But that was your process. That's the process, exactly. You know, I mean, it's it's taken me a long time. Other people get to it a lot quicker and a lot quicker to accept themselves. Um, it's taken me a while and that's just how it is. But well, it does, it feels good. Well, it looks good on you. I oh, think it suits you. And it's Cheers. been lovely to talk to you about your experiences of coming out. Is there any advice you'd give to your um, child self? Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Looking back, I definitely had attractions to a couple of teachers mm-hmm. and then maybe a couple of girls at school and stuff. I mean, looking looking back, yeah. the signs were yeah, the signs yeah. were there. Yeah, you know, I just didn't read them or want to have didn't anything to, to do with them. Yeah. Um, didn't want to, or, or you know. So um, I don't know though. It's a tricky one because if I if I said to myself, younger self, there's no problem with being gay, then I wouldn't have met my wonderful yeah. ex and had our wonderful son. So. With the wonderful kids I've got and the, and the relationships, I'm, I'm happy with how it panned out. Although looking back, yeah, I think the signs were there that I definitely was potentially gay. Now I definitely am. Well, it's lovely to hear. <laughs> Thanks, Kate, for being so honest and open about your amazing story. So now, Karen O'Leary, we're going to talk about you, you wonderful actress, comedian, host of this amazing podcast. Uh, we're going to have a Thank little kororo about your coming out journey and, and how that was for you. So tell me, how do you identify sexually? What's your? I'm a lesbian. Like when I was talking to you, I, the word itself, lesbian, is mm. not the most attractive word. And as someone who really likes words, I wish we'd had a, a word that sort of sounded nicer coming off the tongue. I'm happy to just call myself gay or lesbian. And I think I used to be a bit scared of using the word lesbian, but now I've realised, you know what, there's nothing to be scared about. It no. is who I am. Tell us about your whare. Who yeah. shares your whare with you? I live in Wellington. I live with my son, Melvin, half the time, who spends the other half of time with his, with his other mum, Jen, who's fantastic. And... I used to also share my fuddy with my lovely partner, Eilish, but then she up and got a Fulbright scholarship and moved to the States to do some studying. And to, oh, to the play cheek the... of it, a Fulbright scholarship. Well, I know, this is the thing. It's like she's raised the bar really high now, so mm. I've got to try and keep achieving some stuff, you know, which is lucky I'm doing this podcast because oh. Fulbright versus podcast, I know who's winning. Same, same. Yeah, so she's over in LA for just for two years, and so at the moment it's just me and my son half the time and then just me half the time, but a lot of FaceTime, which is lovely. A lot of FaceTime. Yeah. That's good. And how old's Melvin? Melvin is, he's just turned 11. Oh, yes. cool. It's a lovely age, isn't it? No. It's a, it's a, um, I say that about every age. age. It's a load of rubbish. <laughs> it's all lovely at some times and then horrible at other times. <laughs> but generally speaking, he's lovely. So you've got a great relationship with Melvin's other mum? Yep. Is it sort of a 50-50 type exactly, vibe yep. you've got? Absolutely yep. 50-50. Um, so Jen and I had Melvin, obviously, 11 years ago because he's 11. We broke up a civil union four years after he was born and we've got, we're just very lucky that we get on really well as friends. We've got very similar parenting styles. She's now married to a lovely man from the Canary Islands. Oh, so she's she's she gone the other way. No, she she's, was always the other. Oh, was she, she was always the other way. She was never. She would never have identified as lesbian or gay. She was more just in, in love with me at the time. She's happily straight. 
And no, I'm happy interesting. for you. Interesting. That's, yeah. And, it's and interesting did, being straight. I don't you... understand it. It oh. boggles my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Some people do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, full yeah. credit to them. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you and Jen conceive Melvin? Do you mind me asking? I don't mind you asking at all. We thought about all the options, obviously. It's just get a, a random sperm donor from the, the catalogy thing that you can, you know, look through the from, thing. And from the pub one, though? No, no, I didn't mean from the pub. I mean, you know, you go in and you say what traits you want in your sperm mm. and then you hopefully get a match. I just thought it is important for children, if, you ha- if you're lucky enough, to, for them to know where they biologically came from. You know, it's that, that argument around nature and versus nurture, I guess, as well. But even I know, for me, I've got friends who have been adopted and have had the most amazing family but there still is that sometimes that innate desire to know where did I biologically come from. So for us, we were mm. like, do we have some friends that would be very happy to not have any role in as being a parent, but be happy to be known by Melvin as their as the father of the sperm donor? So we got a friend, a good friend of Jen's, who he had three sort of older grown up children. We asked him, and he very kindly said yes. And so we got some of his sperm down at the Fertility Associates. Mm-hmm. And they did what they needed to do to put it in the right place at the right time. And where was the right place? Was that was that, that was your uterus? Gen? Oh, gen? Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't know how they make babies. Right? Yeah, I'm vaguely familiar with that process. Yeah. Um, um, it was Jen. Yeah, Jen so carried Jen, Melvin. Yes. Okay. She had a, certainly more of a desire to carry a, a child mm. than I did, and I was happy as Larry with that. So yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. And it sounds like you've raised a great young fella there too. So far, combined so good. effort. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your coming out journey. How long mm. have you been? Out. I've been officially out since I was, I think I was actually 20 by the time I came out. And I guess it's interesting looking back because I don't think anyone thought anything different from when I was about two. Um, but my coming out story is, is is not very dramatic. And I kind of m- almost wish it was a bit more dramatic because, you know, people mm-hmm. have got these really big stories and it was life-changing and all that kind of stuff. But I basically went up to my mum and dad, who are lovely, and um, said to them, look, I've met someone, but it's it's not a, it's not a boy, it's a woman. And they said, we know. And that was their response to my coming out. And then mum probably just went off and made the dinner or something like that. And dad sat down and watched the sport. So, oh, yeah, you know. No. It's, but, but, what an anticlimax. Actually, what a, what a great story because it didn't matter. It didn't matter no. to them. I mean, I do know that my mum certainly had discussions with me. She was The only thing she was worried about was if things were going to be hard for me, harder for me be, as a result of my sexuality. And, that's a, and that, I think that's a valid concern. Do you think things have been harder for you as a result of your sexuality or not? Not for me, personally, but then again, I think I've been very fortunate in terms of the people that I've been around, the people that I've worked with, the groups that I've been part of, have all been very supportive. You know, obviously I've had some negative attention from random strangers, like in Christchurch Mm. and New Plymouth. Those are the two places every time Mm. I go to Christchurch or New Plymouth. So if we've got anyone listening from Christchurch or New Plymouth and you see me in the street, just be kind, okay? Generally speaking, it's been a wholly positive experience, but I know that that's not the case for lots of people, and that's really worrying. And it's, and it's really sad that that still exists. You've still got you know people that are very loud in their views of, of how bad it is to be gay and all this kind of. You've got, you've got sports stars, you've got people that have got a massive amount of influence on young people still spouting this absolute nonsense, and I just think it's it's really troublesome. I totally agree with you. How did your sort of friends and and wider whanau and siblings? react or did they already suspect that you were gay did they know oh yeah I think everyone suspected slash knew and I kind of knew as well and hi- again in hindsight I knew um but no one really batted an eyelid for me you know I mean it was it's funny like it's ironic in third form when I was at high school and I played cricket and I loved cricket and I got into the, the rep team and this is sort of again goes to sort of showing my internalized homophobia you know and I got into the team went to the practice 
And I remember thinking, oh, I think like heaps of these people are lesbians. And it freaked me out. And so I dropped out of the team. And I never really my lifelong ambition of becoming a white fern. And much to my dad's Because of mate. your own internal homophobia well, yeah, about, like, about yourself. I, well, I guess I wasn't ready to face that part of myself at that time. And it was mm. right there, so so clearly visible and so in my face that it just, I wasn't ready to, to, that you, to that deal you with ran it. away from it because it was away. just too confronting. Yeah, I ran away. But then once I finally came to terms with who I actually was, it's been, it's luckily for me, been very, very good since then. I've always had this weird thing in my head, and I think this comes from a similar place, where I was like, well, I've often gone out with people that identify as straight, or people certainly that present as straight or a straight passing. And I think for me, I was like, well, if I'm going to look like I do, which is fairly on the fairly on the more butch end of things, then I need to make sure I'm going out with a woman that looks like a woman. And I'm putting quotation marks up because what does that even mean? There's no such thing. It just is a ridiculous and concept. And so how did that make sense? What was because going on in your head that you Because came? maybe that made it eat more palatable for people. If, you so know, you were if, thinking about how others perceived you and this person you were dating? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so, so I was like, no, I need to go with someone that looks like a woman because then it's like, well, that's why I'm a lesbian, I go out with women. But it's like, well, I don't know quite where that leaves me. But now my current partner presents much more similarly to me and actually it's really refreshing going out with someone who understands the challenges that I have faced as someone that presents like this, you know, like mm. getting looked at when you go into the toilet just because you've got short hair, you know, it's little things like that, but it's really refreshing having someone that, that's been there that's done that and you're not having to try and explain just those little things. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? Like mm. that you had that, uh, I'm really intrigued to know that you had that going on inside your head. I well, mean, it, everyone... It took me ages to get, it took me ages to work it out, you know, but that's, I think, you yeah, know. Yeah, and, it, and it's just internal pressure, isn't it? It's this pressure yeah. that you've, that you had put on yourself. Yeah, that pressure that I put on myself as a result of the pressure that society puts on people mm. as well. And that's where I think, it, like, certainly that's mm. where it came from. Not only what should a heterosexual couple look like, but what should yeah. a gay female couple look yeah. like how or a gay male make, couple How can I make my difference more acceptable? Yeah, to like, other people. Again, it's that yeah. we shouldn't care. It shouldn't, there shouldn't, no, but shouldn't sh- be when, you, when you're in the midst of it, it's really hard oh, yeah. not to, to tell yourself yeah. that. I mean, it's something that comes with age, isn't it? Kia ora, Aotearoa, and welcome to The Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful... Hello everyone! Each week we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of ten questions. One potluck round and another that's very loosely themed. A bit tangential even. Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform, The Big Stuff Quiz, is out now. The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different. And so... After you came out to your parents, even though you know the re- the reaction was very accepting, should we yeah, say? Very accepting, yeah, um, yeah. Did anything shift within you internally? I think I'd already got to that point where I just was resolved to the fact and really happy with the fact that I knew that this is, was who I was. I think I would have been battling with it just internally by myself until I met my first partner, meeting her, and then realizing yes, this is exactly where I should be and exactly who I am and what I want to be doing because I didn't want to tell mum and dad I'd met someone if it was just like a flash in the pan to have mum and dad just be like yeah of course as long as you're happy that's that's all we care about and that really is all they care about which is good and you've never questioned your own sexuality since that point you know that was the right decision for you and absolutely without a shadow of a doubt and for some people there is fluidity and you can you know and there's and also there's lots of different kinds of sexuality you know you could be pansexual you could be asexual you could you know bisexual gay and I think it's just about for some people you don't necessarily have to choose one and stick with it for your whole life you might go from one to the other to the other and if that works for you and makes you happy 
fantastic. For me, I'm very, very happy knowing that I'm a lesbian and that I would only ever fall in love with another mm. woman. You know that about yourself now. Absolutely. You can categorically yeah. say that. And and the stigma that does still exist, unfortunately, in Aotearoa against yeah. um, gay and bisexual people and others. It's real. We know that. You know, it doesn't sound like you experience it yourself or have experienced mm. it. What change would you like to see happen? Look, I think it's always about education, isn't it? And I think for lots of people like you touched on, this it's, it's fear-based. It's fear-based and you get scared of things that you don't understand or that you haven't experienced. Making sure that you've got environments, especially places like schools and workplaces, where inclusivity and an appreciation and celebration of diversity is at the forefront and is, is just an expectation rather than a luxury, I think that's a really important step. So making sure that those that, that it's okay to have all of the conversations that need to be had by people that either are feeling different or the same or sometimes different and sometimes the same, you know, like those safe spaces where people can discuss who they are. And also I think just trying to educate people around what does it matter? As long as I'm not doing something that's detrimental to you and your family, why does it matter? And that's what I that's what I find really difficult, especially, you know, with some staunchly religious groups. It's like, well, I don't mind if you want to be staunchly religious and Christian, as long as that's not having a negative impact on the people that I care about. If your views then start to impinge on other people's rights to be who they want to be, I do have a problem with that. That makes a lot of sense. Having worked in early childhood mm. education for a number of years, is there any change you think needs to happen specifically in the childhood sector of, or the education sector of Aotearoa? I think there's always going to be work to do and I think probably just like any sector of society, certainly the Ministry of Education and the, the stuff that's coming out now with, in terms of making sure children have got an environment where they can be themselves, that the diversity is absolutely recognised and accepted and not just that but celebrated. I think that's a step in the right direction but you're still, you've got to remember there still are teachers from all different eras mm. who have grown up in a certain way and have got certain ideas um, so it's going it's not going to be an overnight change I think it's really important especially for me as an early childhood teacher we had a very diverse team of teachers so I think having different teachers and mm. having and also being being okay about talking about like I remember when I first became an early childhood teacher at 20 I would never have said to the children that I had a female partner because I thought well I can't I can't say that because it's kids but it's like if I'd had a boyfriend or a husband I would have have said it so even even for me I was worried about that because I was like oh but you know and people do it's like even on Wellington Paranormal you know people ask oh do we need to bring up O'Leary sexuality again and it's like well we wouldn't ask that of Minogue would we because he's obviously pretty much a straight man so just having those conversations and being open and upfront about who you are the language that we use with children and just with people in general is so crucial and I was saying this to you before when my son started school, the, the principal would always refer to mums and dads. And so that just very quickly meant that he wasn't included in that because he doesn't have a dad. He's got two mums. And it's not that hard just to shift a word here and a word there to make sure that no one's actually feeling excluded. It's like, you know, people that say, you're a policeman on the TV. It's like, well, I'm not actually a man. I'm a, a, mm. And why not just say police officer? Then and everyone's it, included. Totally. And it is, I mean, you've just brought up such a good point with all of that too about why do we have to answer those questions about sexuality or, you know, why is it even a question when you're talking about your sexuality on on Wellington Paranormal and why does that have to be addressed? And, you know, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because if you turn the tables on that, it's like, she'll be asking everyone um, who's heterosexual if they're heterosexual or, you know, it's... I guess it's the nature of being living in a heteronormative society, which has existed for a very long time. Mm. Um, So, yeah, like you say, you don't go up to someone and say, oh, so when did you realise you were straight? (laughs) You know, did you? Was it hard for you to come out as straight? You Do you know, think we should start doing that? We could start doing that. Be quite right. busy, wouldn't it? 
If you could give your younger gay, lesbian self mm. one piece of advice, what would it be? It would be when you go to interview the Prime Minister, Geoffrey Palmer, in 1988 and you had to wear the school skirt even though you hated it, don't sit next to the Prime Minister with your legs wide apart. <laughs> that would be it. Valuable. Embarrassing. It was on Valuable the information. <laughs> if only we could pop you on a time capsule and send you back there. Yeah. I guess if you think about like the, the way I present, which is this is part of my sexuality, is how I look and how I want to dress. And even just yesterday when I was coming up to Auckland and I was at the Auckland airport, I went to go to the toilet and I walked in and the person who was in there doing the cleaning said, no, no, sorry, stop, sorry, no, this is this is the female toilet for women. You know, she's have, there having to clean the toilet, so I didn't want to give her too much of a hard time. But I said, oh, I am a woman. I said, I know I don't look like that dress picture on the door, but I I can assure you I'm a woman. So, oh, and then she was apologetic, which I can understand because she maybe felt a bit embarrassed. And I just said, oh, just maybe next time, just don't assume. I don't think... P- Men are trying to sneak into the female toilets, and I certainly don't want to be in the wrong toilet. But, yeah, just don't assume because I think that's, that's when we get into issues, you know? Just mm. let people be who they want to be. And I said, also, maybe we should. this is why we should just have toilets that are for anyone and everyone. With as no urinal. As, well, yeah, I was going to say, as long as the people that have got the penises can learn how to squirt the wheeze into the toilet instead of all over the toilet. <laughs> man, that stinks. When you go into, this is the thing with these, you know, genderless bathrooms now. Got a whole different aroma. Lack of aim. Yeah. Um, oh, that sounds like you imparted some education, you know, on sexuality in a really nice way to, well, to, I, to I whoever just, this person was. I did feel I didn't want her to feel bad, and I said to her, "Look, it's not your fault. It's society that's got these connotations of what gender is and what sexuality is, and who should be where. And let's just get rid of all of that categorization, you know? Totally. And and on that note, we don't want to make anyone feel bad with this podcast either. I mean, what what we're trying to do with this is to have some conversations, have some chats, and and potentially to provide little bit of education on what living like a um, gay or bisexual person is in Aotearoa as well. Let's remove the stigma, remove the fear, just make it really cool and slightly funny. Mm, Absolutely. That's a wrap. (laughs) This was Full Disclosure. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was created by Kate Langdon and produced by Kate Langdon and Mark Ehire with audio mixed by Jess Valor and original music by Eilish Wilson. Most GP practices in New Zealand are closed to new patients. What do people do if they can't see a GP? It's a real concern. A lot of people end up in the emergency department. We know those are overrun and we know that many, many people are turning up with conditions which really should be treated in primary care. We really need to look at the funding. We need to look at how that is distributed because we know if more money is put into primary health care, then we're, we're actually stopping people going to hospital. For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts. Pre-season, you and I also talked about how it was very clear that everyone wanted to make this season exciting. They wanted to shape stuff up a bit. Do you reckon they're delivering on that? Yeah, oh, look, I think the challenge for rugby right now is to get some of the limelight back. And so they've looked at uh, the way they want to play the game. They've certainly made some adjustments to the referees. The games have certainly been faster. I think you're seeing an effect on the teams. I think everything they've tried to this point has worked really well. We've seen way less TMO. And I think the world wanted to see that. But I think overall, I think everyone in and around the game's really, really happy with what they're producing. For news and sport that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts. Newsable Sport is proudly brought to you by Sky, your sport unrivaled.